Ladies and gentlemen, all you Yinzers out there, welcome to another edition of the Pirates Podcast to be named later. I am Eddie Provident. With me, as always, is our favorite Pirates beat writer, Alex Stump. Alex, how's it going today, man? Uh, late game tonight, so we're recording late. Yeah, late game, a lot of news to go through. It was a rich full day. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, I believe that there was a report. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's just dig right into it, man. Uh, John Heyman reported today that uh, the Pirates and Brian Reynolds, well, the Pirates wanted, uh, I want to make sure I'm getting his words. Right. I, I, I got to pull it up here. Yeah, you got to pull it up. Go ahead. Yeah. I, I've got stats in front of me, so you go ahead and read. Pirates are trying to extend center fielder Brian Reynolds before the season, if possible. Can I ask you a question? Yes. Is that actually news? I mean, it, it comes down to what constitutes trying to extend. Like, it, if it's the Pirates would like to extend Brian Reynolds, they would like him to be on this team for the long term. That's not anything new. We've known that. We have written that, you know, on the site many a time, Day on and I. It's the... He doesn't say talks have restarted. He hasn't said that talks are going to restart. I don't think it could be a unilateral Pirates are going to restart talks because, you know, that that would – you need two to tango for it to be talks. If without yeah. it, it's talk. And, and with it being two to tango, uh, you wrote today about this, uh, and it seems like Brian Reynolds either wants to – would prefer – to get this done preseason uh, before the actual regular season starts. Uh, what can you tell us about the Reynolds camp? Yeah, I mean, talk to Reynolds after it. I guess just to go through the linearity of how my day went, uh, traveling media got to talk to uh, Ben Sherrington beforehand, and it was asked, like, is there anything new? He said, no, there is nothing new there. I followed up with, since we're right up against, you know, the start of the regular season i'm like is there a time whenever that door kind of closes like you want to keep the door open but is there a time where it's like look we just got focused on baseball and he said well you know we would prefer for this stuff to happen in the winter but if it makes sense for both sides like we'll, we'll, we'll do it now you know or we'll do it in season brian reynolds you know following up on that was kind of like no no if we, let, let's do this in season or before the season started, I'm sorry. Let's do this before the season starts. So this isn't just something that just hangs over everyone's head through April, through May, through whenever. So if this is going to happen, there is a small window of opportunity at this point for it to happen because opening day is less than a week away. Less than a week away for opening day. That is, uh, yeah. man. It's exciting and, they, and crazy. And they were able to pull it off last year's, uh, you know, with, with Hayes because Hayes, his, the, from the time he got the first offer that year to signing just a couple hours before first pitch, it was a six day process. So it's not like this is completely out of the realm of possibility that this could happen, but it's also, do you Hayes think, didn't have a trade request hanging over everyone's head. Right. Here. And then on top of that, do you think that Hayes and the team were as far apart as Reynolds and the team are as far as what the uh, you know, what Reynolds wanted versus what Hayes wanted versus what the team offered both of them originally? I mean I'm I'm only gonna go based off of what I kind of knew in twenty twenty one. In twenty twenty one they kind of were that they were tens of millions of dollars apart to the point that it's okay. like, look, it's just not going to come together. But it did the next year. 
because yeah. there is still motivation on both sides to, hey, Hayes wants to be a pirate. He wants to be, you know, a face of this rebuild. He wants, you know, the security. And the pirates want this guy who is a really potentially talented ball player. And you're going to use those words against me for seg- segment two, I imagine. Uh, <laughs> we're going to go through that. But I also know the, the key contract, it came together in a week that time, but it was also years of negotiating and multiple right. rounds of negotiating. And there hasn't really been anything on Reynolds unless what Heyman said is code for, hey, they're talking again, which Ben said, didn't say they were. Uh, Brian Reynolds just flat out said there's nothing new to report and everything that he brought up. He's like, you know, we're just talking in hypotheticals here, uh, reaching out, you know, elsewhere. Like it, it, I, I just have had no indication and this isn't just, you know, what's being said on, you know, what's being said out in public. It's just like no indication that there has been an offer made. So what in your, in your mind, what are the, if you had to put a percentage on it, that a deal gets done, not this off season, just in just in general? just in general that a deal gets done do you do you think he's a pirate after uh, what is it 2025 right 2025 i right now i say I, no you don't i don't think know so? if he finish i don't know if he finishes 2023 as a pirate if a deal is wow. done okay because now is I, that I mean, in the pirates best interest to, uh, look obviously I, the I, best some interest points, is to the best interest is to sign him, right? Like, obviously, we all agree that that that's what's in the best interest of the franchise. Um, if they don't, is it the in the best interest that if he has a good season this year, if he, you know, we talked about all stars last week, if he has an all star caliber season and they don't have him under contract, do they strike while the iron's hot, try to get something for him, or do you think that the PR would be so bad that they just hold him? Look, Brian came into camp and he said that he. Once his first preference is still for a long-term deal with the Pirates. Okay. He, he would still right. prefer that. And even though I have had no indication that the Pirates have made an offer yet, I still expect at some point that they will try to rekindle these talks. And if we're going to take Brian Reynolds, you know, timeline seriously, it would probably be sooner rather than later. It's what, you know, nutting once, and even though he's not going to insert himself into like a literal conversation or negotiations, it's there's just like a lot of look internally. They do want this guy to be part of the franchise long term. With that said, if it is the trade deadline and you don't and you haven't made any progress whatsoever for a new deal, and you're not particularly optimistic that you are going to get a new deal done, and this team. In another caveat to all this, if this team is not really competitive in 2023, you do got to seriously consider trading him if he's performing well, because at some point, all you're doing is hurting the potential return that you're going to get back to this franchise, because he is a potentially all-star starting caliber center fielder. That is so valuable for any rebuild. It's also just as valuable for any contending team. It's, I think they're out of the spot that if they would have traded him, say after 2021, it, this rebuild could have gone into a death spiral of just like constantly, this guy gets traded, this guy gets traded. I think they're out of that if they do end up moving from him. Again, that's not their interest. Their interest is to keep him long term. But at some point, you do have to assess the situation of if he's just, if there's just no way to repair the bridge enough and get an offer that both sides could find acceptable. You got to wonder what happens after that. Do how seriously do they trade? I mean, I, I 
think I floated on here that uh, a, a league source kind of indicated that like all-star break is going to be very interesting for him because if there is no deal, teams are going to earnestly try to acquire him. So and maybe I guess the, the Pirates listen a little more earnestly. Yeah. Yeah. So my last question for you on this topic, because I, I know you're probably after writing about it and now talking about it first segment, you're, you're probably Brian Reynolds doubt, but uh, my last question for you on this what do you think a let's just let's go the the route that we don't want to go let's say around the all-star break around the trade deadline uh brian reynolds is traded uh what does that do for the morale of that ball club and that uh clubhouse because uh from all accounts that i see and you know everything that you know that you've reported and everyone else reports he seems to be a very well-liked guy he's one of the leaders of that team uh what does that do for the for the with the rest of the team uh does that is that like a death blow is that is that going to be taken pretty hard or is it just going to be business as usual i mean it's definitely going to hurt i i don't want to say it's a death blow if it was a death blow i I wouldn't have even floated it out there as a possibility and this conversation would have been a lot different a lot more banging to the table of like just get that deal done i mean it it definitely hurts Mm -hmm. trading him hurts the 2023 team it hurts the 2024 team it hurts the 2025 team i'm not even talking on field alex i'm talking i, in I, the club, I know i yeah, know in the clubhouse it, what that does for the glue of that uh, of that ball club it, it i know and that's part of it though because wins and losses are a big part of right. what they have to do right now they are kind of they've cashed in every single you know opportunity and development wins and stuff like that it's like no you've got to start actually winning some ball games now and without Reynolds that becomes a lot harder and he is you know like you said a leader in the clubhouse he is someone who people do look up to even though he's not the big rah-rah guy and losing him would hurt in that I don't look I'm just gonna throw this out here please don't take this as this would get it done but if they were just if some side. It, I'm sure it would have to be the pirate side here. But if they said seven years, one ten, we're splitting the difference. Look, can, can we just be done with this? I, I, I mean, if that's it, the, my thing, is why not do that? Yeah, you know, I, at, it's, this, at this point, at this, at this point, point right. honestly, you can't, you can't do this anymore, Brian. You yeah. can't. You either you owe it to the player, you owe it to the other people in the clubhouse, you owe it and, to just man, the whole he, organization to either sign him or at some point in the next calendar year trade him and just move on because this guy cannot just play out his option here or be traded yeah, in twenty twenty five. And dude, he he's been a good you know he's been a good soldier for this ball club. I know he requested the trade, but I mean when you saw I think when we all saw what the offer was, we understood why he requested the trade. He's not been vocal about this. He's not been a headache. He's not been a problem. He just goes out. He does his job. He's been a good baseball player. He's been a team leader. And I think he's handled this very well, you know, for, you know, how he could be handling it. So I think they owe it to him for the way that he's handled this to just, like you said, just either get something done or, you know, cut bait and, uh, you know, hit a reset button and see what you can get. Um, speaking of hitting a reset button, Alex, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I'm going to tell you why you're wrong.
Welcome back to the Pirates Podcast to be named later. I'm Eddie Provident. With me is Alex Stump. And we are getting into, this is probably going to turn into a debate from what from the way our text messages went. Um, ESPN.com over the last, I guess, week or two have been putting out all of their baseball uh, preseason rankings and all of that fun stuff. Uh, one of them was their top 100 players. And uh, there were a, a couple of Pirates. Obviously, Brian Reynolds, I think he was in the 60s. I can't remember exactly. I don't have that list in front of me. The one that that really, uh, to, to steal a Peter Griffin term, uh, grind my gears, uh, was where Key Brian Hayes was at on this list. He was 95th overall, uh, but more importantly, or I guess more frustratingly for me, he was the ninth ranked third baseman in Major League Baseball. Uh, some of the names ahead of him, obviously, uh, Nolan Arenado, uh, Manny Machado, um, pulling up the list here. Um, obviously, those guys are going to be ahead of him, and that makes sense. Um, I, J-Ram, yeah, Austin Riley. J-Ram, Austin Riley, uh, Chapman. Devers, Chapman. Yeah. Um, I get some, some of those names. List, man. Yeah, I get some of those names. But uh here here's my thing with Key Brian Hayes. And you know, I, I was it's funny, I was texting uh Gary Morgan about this today, and my caveat was I understand that the bat hasn't been what we'd all want it to be, and probably what Hayes wants it to be. But when you look at the defensive metrics, to me that's what stands out. Why is he not getting more respect? <laughs> and Gary's uh, reply back to me was, well, you answered your own question. It's the bat. But here's my point. I have his defensive stats in front of me. He was number one in Major League Baseball uh, amongst third basemen uh, in outs above average at 18. The next closest to him was Arenado at 14, and then Machado, uh, McMahon, and Bregman, or uh, Machado and McMahon at nine, Bregman at eight, so on and so forth. Um, he is top five in every defensive metric for third baseman in Major League Baseball. Uh, top three in a lot. Like I said, he leads in a lot. Runs prevented, he's number one at 13. Uh, Aaron Otto had 11. Um, and then after that, there's a bit of a drop-off. McMahon with uh, seven. I guess my question for you, Alex, is at what point in time does the defense outweigh the lack of a bat. And for me, I, especially at third base, I, I want to, on that left side of the infield, I want to see um, more defense. I'm, I'm more worried about the defense. And he's not just a good defensive third baseman. He is a stellar defensive third baseman. He is yeah. maybe the best in the league on the defensive side of things. And I think he got robbed of a golden glove. And I think it's a shame that he didn't win the golden glove. Um, So for that, I would probably bump him ahead of maybe one or two, at least one, you know, I I wouldn't have Chapman ahead of him. Um, I probably wouldn't have. I'd have him, I'd say, probably sixth or seventh instead of ninth. 
Um, so I, maybe I'm making a mountain out of a molehill, but I just don't think that he gets the love that he deserves. I don't think he should have been the 95th. But I, I think he's better than the 95th overall uh, Major League Baseball player. Um, so what's where, where are you at on this? Is Key Bryan underrated nationally? Is he where he's supposed to be? Is he overrated? I think he's underrated. I mean, on a, on a national scale, I, I think he's properly rated at this moment. Like, we... Because outside of that rookie year where he came up for a month, he has not hit consistently at the major league level. And I'm gonna look. I'm gonna start this off by saying I really like a lot, or basically everything, really that that Hayes has done this off season to work on his hitting, where he's focusing on his contact point, where he's working on making sure he's getting a true spin and backspin on his fly balls. And it's helping him pull the ball more. It helps him, you know, elevate his hard contact more. The home run that he hit in Lakeland was not his hardest hit ball. In a way, it was almost better to see him hit a home run like that, where it's like it was still a good hard contact, but it wasn't 109. It was 96 points something. It's like that type of ball would have just lazily been a fly out a year ago. Like, but no, this time he was able to pull it. Good. Do that in the regular season. I think he is... If he is not the best defensive third baseman in the league, he is second, and he is top five at all positions. I think he is an elite defender. He has this potential for a great hit tool, but until he does that, until the results show, no, he is not going to be. I don't know if he's a top ten third baseman from last year. But see, that's where I'll disagree because you just said he's an elite defender. And I think if you're an elite defender, that that really moves you. I mean, it's not like he's a black hole. He also had the lowest OPS out of all the qualified third basemen last year. Okay. I, I can't I can't yeah, ignore I, it. And look, I think he is going to be better offensively this year. I like a lot of what he's done, but I mean, I'm going, I, I, these rankings are primarily on what have you done at the major league level. And he yeah, has not no, hit I, I, the I way that. that he could at the major league level. If he I, does, he's a top five third baseman in this league. He's a potential all-star, but he hasn't so far. So do you, all right. I, I mean, I guess, you know, Maybe I'm being a little bit lenient because of the whole wrist thing and, you know, like you know, injuries that he's faced. There are factors that go into it. Yes. Yes. And, and I mean, you take that into account when you're talking about hitting the ball. The other thing that I'm going to say, and, and this is going to be, this will probably be more controversial than anything I say in this, in this conversation is I think that the, uh, the, the fact that O'Neill Cruz is the shortstop next to him alleviates a little bit of the offensive struggles that he's had in my mind because if you're looking from a you know he kind of makes up the defense that maybe O'Neal lacks a little and O'Neal picks up the offense that maybe Key Bryan lacks a little I think they're a great tandem on that side of the infield and for me I guess it because of that it doesn't make his bat as glaring of an issue as maybe it is for some people um it's there's still two players. I think it helps. I think it helps Cruz defensively a lot more than it does Hayes offensively out of the two. Yeah, uh, no, I get that because they're on the field at the same time. Um, I, I yeah. just I I look at his defensive the defensive side of the ball, what he brings to that team, and for me, it outweighs a lot of 
just the way that I look at baseball, it outweighs a lot of the, you know, potential issues that are there with him, you know, maybe not having his bat going. Plus, again, keeping injuries in mind, I just this season, I don't think his bat's going to be as bad as it was last season. I, I can't see him only hitting seven home runs this season. Um, I, I can't see him having the lowest OPS of the season. It's just not, you know, I, I again, maybe a, you're right in the sense that it, it is a what have you done for me lately or like what have you done in the past? Like show it's a show me thing. But to have him as the ninth best third baseman, I, I don't know. I just I think that that's a little. I think it's a there's, little bit of a diss. There's another factor at all of this, and that's third base is the most stacked position in baseball. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, whenever you consider every Machado and Arenado and Riley and Bregman and then uh, J-Ram and Endeavors, and then you also remember like, oh, Max Muncy and Matt Chapman and, and Bobby Witt Jr. and, you know – there are just so many good players there. Is it, is it fair to say that he approaches the the position maybe differently than these guys do? Because a lot of these guys, you look aside from Air, like the the top guys, like it, Arenado. Aside from Arenado and Chapman, I think he's the only one that you really have to consider defense first. Yeah, but that's I guess that's and that's point. not a bad thing. I mean, no, a that's run is point. a run. It, a run saved is just as valuable as a run. You know, and, and that's. I think that we're still in an era right now that I think still puts more positive weight towards the actual run rather than the run saved. Because I think if you're just looking at run saved, you know, just if you even them out, I think that he probably gets more love. Yeah. yeah but be. I'm going to, you know, again, I'm going to say one more controversial thing here. I think that you won this debate. There we go. I'm I'm gonna bow out to the expert. Big, big, big win here for yeah for Stump. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. I, I th- personally, I think I think he turns a corner, and I've said this last week. Uh, I think he's an all star this year. Yeah, I mean, I, I I would not be surprised if the offensive stuff does that he's worked on does translate to him being an all star because he doesn't have to be an elite hitter. He just needs to be an above average hitter for that to happen. So we kind of, this is kind of the opposite side of the coin, the cruise uh, conversation that we had a couple weeks ago. So for the, the, we'll end it like this. I'll ask you, you're, you know, let's, uh, I'm going to throw a stat line out there. Uh, 18 home runs, 85 RBIs, and top 15 at OPS. Among third base at the position, or oh, okay, at the position. Uh, I mean, I, I, does, I think does that be, does that crack him into the top six, or does that does that crack him into the top five third baseman and put him in the all star conversation? If if, if he keeps up the same defensive metrics, if he again keeping the defense, I think with that he becomes top three or four. At that. With that with that offensive stat line, yeah, I mean he'd be higher in the OPS than just fifteenth if he has eighteen homers and all those RBIs. But yeah, that I think it would be. I, he just needs to be an average hitter or slightly above average hitter to be an All Star. I'm gonna stay with that because that elevates like a three WAR player into like a four and a half five WAR player. At which point it's like that guy is an All Star. Okay, I think that's possible for him this year. Mm-hmm. 
I do. I think and with those what's are around two him, two big wins for a rebuilding club. That's a free agent player you don't have to get. Mm-hmm. You're a little closer. And and I honestly with the, with their ages, that solidifies that side of the infield for a long time, man. Yeah, if they can keep that together, and that would be talk about a win for a rebuilding team to not have to worry about that side of the infield. Man, that that's a huge that's a huge W. And then they get rid of Brian Reynolds and they move O'Neill Cruz to the outfield. You really want to end the segment like that? (laughs) (laughs) When we come back, I have questions, more questions for Mr. Alex Stump. Welcome back to the third and final segment of the Pirates podcast to be named later. Alex, it is the segment where I question you. I don't tell you what the question is. I just throw it out there. Maybe it's a really stupid question. Maybe it's a really good question. We won't know until I ask it. Here's my question for you today. Shohei Otani struck out his teammate, Mike Trout, to win the World Baseball Classic. And he did it in spectacular fashion. Before I ask the question, dude, how do you, what do you do with 100, 100, 102, and then an 87 mile an hour slider? Yeah. yeah. Do you want my hottest take? Yeah. I was kind of disappointed in Otani that I didn't just keep throwing fastballs. Like, I know it's a competitive you do it, but you figured everything. It's, Whenever he geared up 102, I I don't blame Mike Trout in the least for swinging through a slider because <laughs> my mind was like, oh my god, he just hit 102. This is going yep. to be he he's just going to throw it as hard as he can, and this is going to be awesome. Like, here's my best pitch against the best pitcher in the world. Let's or best hitter in the world. Let's go and that. That was. I, I feel what, a little robbed. I felt a little robbed. I I do. I get what you're saying, but what a way to end end that tournament man that was fantastic but that leads me to my question how in the world do you have mike trout and shohei otani on your roster and you've if i'm have they ever been in the playoffs together at all not not together no yeah mike trout how is the pirates have been in the playoffs more recently than mike trout yeah so how is that possible poverty <laughs> like just just I, not you building have those, you have those two guys i you have to like at some point in time lock your way in right like you like backdoor yeah. your way in i mean they they're in a tough division they're in the division that has the astros and the rebuilding mariners team and blah 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 you don't want to hear this because these are the two best players in the game right now and they're not ever in the playoffs and that's a shame uh they didn't. They never were able to develop pitching. They never were willing to spend the necessary money to build a rotation around uh, Otani or anyone else, and they just constantly paid for it. And it's a shame because it, Mike Trout is turning out to be kind of like this generation's Ernie Banks. Now, are the Angels a better argument, or are they a better example than the Pirates for why 
some kind of cap system is so needed in baseball. And I don't want to go down that rabbit hole because that, that could be a 20 minute long conversation, but just a quick for me as a fan, I want to see those two in the playoffs and I want to see them on the same team. I don't want to see one go to, I don't want to see one go to Boston and one go to the Dodgers or one go to the Yankees and one go, you know, I want to see them both on the same team in the playoffs together. And I probably never will. We probably never will because they just everything you said, they can't build anything around them. If there's a again, I'm not going to get into this whole conversation, but I feel like if there's a cap, they have a better chance to build around those two. I mean, cap isn't going to save them here. They they have all the resources. They went into not this past offseason, but the one before. And they're like, we'll give 20 something million dollars to Noah Syndergaard whenever he clearly wasn't Noah Syndergaard anymore. And they're like, well, we're just going to spend our starting pitcher budget on one guy for a one-year deal. Before that, it was Matt Harvey. Before that, it was just like a long list of guys always going for the short one-term try-to-bounce-back deal that never worked out. They didn't know how to pitch. They had a very toxic culture, you know, with, with some of this stuff. And just is like, I, 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 it's, it's a shame. It's a shame it, because I, I know Rendon – has been injured and he's not what he was, but I, I go back to uh, the Zips projection on fan graphs where they're like, Mike Trout, the best comp we could come up with in baseball history is, uh, is uh, Mickey Mantle. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shoei Atani, best comp we could come up with in our system is Babe Ruth. <laughs> uh, Anthony Rendon, the best comp we could come up with is Brooks Robinson. Those three together, this team is projected to go 81 and 81. It's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> How do you have – Eddie, you and me could be the double play combo, and I think you, they could still finish with 82 wins. I did just it, – it, you know, it was just mind-blowing to me watching the two of them, and you think, man, they're on the same team, and then you think, they're on the same team? <laughs> yeah. But uh, all joking aside, all complaining aside, um, despite the conversation we had last week about injuries and everything, boy, what a way to end the, the last three or four games. The U.S. versus Cuba wasn't so much, but you know the, the Japan-Mexico game, the U.S.-Japan game, just absolutely great baseball, man. Uh, absolutely entertaining. Um tip of the cap to MLB and the world baseball classic and all the players involved, because that was, an, that's as much fun as I've had watching baseball in a long time, man. I really, really enjoyed that, uh, that tournament. That was, that was a good, it was a good, uh, a good display of baseball. And I think it did a lot for the, uh, for the game. I really do. And as weird as this is going to sound, I'm glad they're not going to do it until 26. Like that. What's the appetite 100%. for the next time? Yeah, I, I'm with you 100%. I think it's just like, uh, you know, it's like the Olympics. It's like anything else like that. The World Cup, um, keep people wanting more. You know, absence makes the heart grow fonder. And I think, you know, letting it die, letting it simmer for a few years, like you said, it's just going to make everybody want it more. Uh, so I'm with you on that 100%. Uh, anything else to add on this episode, Mr. Stump? I just, I'm good. my new ringtone is going to be me saying that I, I won the debate. Yeah. We'll uh, we'll have to get Marco to cut it and uh, and uh, and make it. We'll, we'll put it out. To, we'll, maybe we'll make it available for all of the uh, all of your fan <laughs> all of your fans out there. Listen, beating Remember me to the, the debate. 
beating me in a debate is not something to brag about, man. It's it's a very I will low bar. Take my, very, very low bar. I will take my wins. And after watching the 6-6 six, six parts, Ty, I'll just celebrate that one of them. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, ladies and gentlemen, we'll see you next week where we will be talking regular season baseball. <laughs>